0: Good morning, and welcome to Coworking with Iris, where we talk about coworking and community. This is episode 22, and this morning I'm speaking with Laura Shook, and we are talking about the global directory of women-owned coworking spaces, which Laura created this year in honor of International Coworking Day, which is on August 9th. Hopefully you all know that. And um, I'm really excited about what Laura's doing with the directory of Women on Coworking Spaces because I think that it allows us as women business owners to connect with each other uh, in a way that could become something in the future, which is awesome, but also really showcases to the world that coworking is a women-led movement. And, um, you know, I've been part of this movement uh, since 2000 and nine, and have many friends who are women um, that date back to those early years. Um, And it really has been women who've helped build this movement and have been at the forefront. You know, you look at Liz Elam of Juicy and Angel of Cohere, and uh, Jamie, the Global Workspace Association, and EnterSpace, as well as Lexi, and so there's, this really is an industry and a movement um, that feels like uh, women have a really close place. And I've explored why several times in my own conversations with people, today I'm excited to explore that with Laura. Laura, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you, Iris. I'm really excited to be here.
0: It's great to have you. So please tell us, what is your coworking story?
1: Yes, so my coworking story started a while back in 2008. And actually I would venture to say it started earlier than that, in probably 2005. um, When I didn't know about coworking as a movement, but I was experiencing collaboration and community. I was living in Europe at the time; I was living in Stockholm, Sweden, and I had a one-year-old daughter. And I was just blown away by the support of the socialist government there, the way that they valued care work, and the way that the society as a whole came together to take responsibility for children, and the elderly, and the ill, and so I was feeling pretty inspired from living there and living very collaboratively with the women and the men and the children that I met, and then I moved to Canada, and Canada is another amazing collaborative space, and it's just in their cultural mindset, it's in their bones, so I got really involved there in the local food co-op and a Waldorf co-op for my daughter, who was then two turning three, and I joined the Feminist Mothering Group at York University, which is an amazing association. So I was just steeping in cultural um, collectivity. And it was beautiful. And it was it, it was like my tribe. And I'd always lived in the United States where everything was very competitive and the individual rugged. Um, you go out and make it and do it by yourself. So I couldn't be, I was so... I guess, astounded and surprised that I could feel so supported in a large city like Toronto. So I started imagining how I could be in community more often, and I am a mental health professional. I come to co-working not as an entrepreneur, actually had no experience in business. I was an advocate and an academic and a psychotherapist. So I knew a lot about um, advocating for women and children. I knew a lot about community building. I knew a lot about what it meant to be a feminist and to deal with multiple marginalities. Um, And so I had all of this knowledge and I had all this experience then living in Canada. So when I came to the United States, I was actually coming out of a relationship and I was going to be a single mom. And I was pretty blown to pieces over that one for a little bit I didn't know exactly what I was going to do but I knew I needed to move back to Austin where I had gone to school at University of Texas that's where I got my undergrad and I loved Austin um, it was definitely if I was going to go back to the States I said I'm going to go live in Austin so I landed in Austin with my almost four-year-old daughter and I hit the streets trying to find other collaborative people and I founded a feminist book group called Mommy Mayhem and I just started meeting with other moms, and I found that there was a single parent resource network that didn't have a director. So I jumped in, and I became the director of a nonprofit. Um, then I started working at a local nonprofit um, doing counseling. So interestingly enough, like there's just this really like steeping mindset in, into collaboration and culture, um, and I'm an advocate, and I need to support more people like myself and more women. And so I just started imagining a what I ca- considered a work life space, and I knew that it needed to be a place where women could have access to um, professional support and business education, where they could see clients, whether they could um, maybe have childcare. So we dreamed of, of having childcare, which we ran for like the first two years, but then it fizzled out. And so I had all of these ideas for this work life center. So I sign a lease with this lovely landlord, and we're walking through the building, four thousand square feet, nineteen forties bungalow, great little house. And he says, "You know, you guys are talking about something really interesting, and I just read about it in the New York Times." I was like, "What are you talking about? Like, I just came up with this. Like, what are you saying? You're reading. You read about my idea?" And he goes, "No, this whole concept that you guys are working and you're sharing and your moms and." He says, you should check it out. So he brings me a copy of the New York Times, and I take a look at it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's In Good Company. Do you know those ladies? Uh In Good Company in Manhattan had a piece in there. They had just opened in 2007, or maybe that year, in 2008. And there was a story about their co-working space. So, co working found me. I had no idea what it was until I read that article, and it was so exciting. I mean, I think I must have like jumped around my room on fire, like, ah, you know, that feeling like somebody's doing it. I was just like floored. And so, I got online really quickly. I looked up in Good Company, I looked up all the different co working spaces that I could find. I mean, back then, there was like 100. In 2008, there might have been like 150. At most uh, worldwide but I probably looked at every one of their websites and, <laughs> and that was my co-working um, introduction and so it integrated seamlessly into my work life workspace vision because it had the five core values of feminism in my opinion which is the cultural the co-working values openness accessibility community collaboration um, and let's see what I say, that. sustainability. So, you know, I already had all of those values foreseen in my space, and then I found out that there was a movement. And I love how that, that happened. And I, I say that I was a serendipitous coworker for sure. Like it found me. I didn't find it. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just love that story
0: so much. And um, for our viewers and listeners, I'll just say that Laura and I really – Um, I I reached out to her after she built the list um, back in August um, to interview her, and we haven't actually met before today. Um, We may have met one time in Austin years ago, but don't remember it. We learned that we have several commonalities, (laughs) one of which is that we both have a toddler or a preschooler and a teenager, um, which is a a different type of marginalization as a woman to kind of go through, like dealing with all of, um, you know, just children, being a single mom and and having children um, at different ages and in different worlds. Um, But I also love uh, the synergy of the movement and I think that humans we tend to get ideas and waves, and I'm just going to get super duper esoteric here for just oh, yeah. a second. But I think we tend to get ideas and waves as, a, as sort of human consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so there you were, traveling the world, living in different countries, really understanding sort of the movement towards the co-working movement. Um, being a hippie kid, I will say that, you know, this <laughs> has been done for a long time. We started this back in, you know, about... 11 years ago, but um, but it has been being done for a long time, this type of collective mm-hmm. experience. Um, and then you move to Austin, which in a lot of ways, it's not the birthplace of co-working, but boy, is it a co-working center, a co-working hub for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and all along, there you are on this parallel track having no idea yeah. <laughs> what you're going to run into. And um, just to share with our listeners and viewers as well, I, I was really... Um, struck by the fact that Laura has been in business for since 2008, and I just kept having to look at that number again. Like, really, we've never met, and you've been doing this since 2008. And um, so, I just I feel once again this like exciting co working moment for myself right now, where I found mm-hmm. synergy with somebody um, through the co working movement um, who I really relate to. And so, I just want to stop and appreciate that for just a minute yes. here. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Yes, sure. thank you. Yes. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your space. As we mentioned, it has been around since two thousand and eight. That's a really long time. Yeah. Um, and I understand that it's for um, healing professionals or that's or right. um, or people in wellness professionals. So, talk to us that's a right. little bit about that because that's really niche.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you've been around so long. So, um, you know, I, I really would love to hear this story.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that was a challenge, a challenge about launching Soma Vida. Initially, no one in Austin, or very few people in Austin, knew what co-working was in 2008. There were jellies and definitely some co-working enthusiasts charting to, but we didn't know each other at that time. And so I was bringing forth a co-working model and then I decided to basically create a hybrid, what I consider a hybrid business model. So I blended a wellness center model or even like a group practice that therapists often use type of model in with the co-working model. So it was very niche and I think that that was even why I stayed a little bit more parallel with some of the rest of the coworking movement because my clients, the people that would become members of Soma Vida, they weren't following the coworking movement either Mm -hmm. at that point. They didn't know that existed. They were healers who were suffering with burnout, Um, that were suffering with isolation, that couldn't afford to hang their own shingle, um, that were struggling with their own health and wellness because they were doing really deep, some of them, you know, like myself, I do trauma work. So you know that when you're going into really deep traumas with people, you can get burnt out even more quickly and you can have your own health and wellness compromised. So I really had to go to that group of that those people within my industry here in Austin and do a lot of education um, about what coworking was and why it could benefit the wellness industry. Because many of them were just having shared spaces and they thought that was all that they could do. Well, you know, I have this group practice or. We have shared office space, but what was happening is that everyone was going into their door, seeing their client, and walking right back out and not having any kind of connection, not having any type of collaboration, not even networking or cross referring sometimes. So yeah. they were still very isolated. So I was actually wanting to leave the nonprofit sector and go into private practice. And I realized, These are the things that I'm going to need. I'm going to need community. I need to be able to meet in the kitchen over to your coffee. I need to be able to walk outside and have fresh air. I need to have um, all the people around me that I refer to, because I work with a team. So I refer my clients to a yoga therapist. I refer them to a functional medicine doctor. I refer them to a naturopath or to a nutritionist. I mean, a variety of different people Mm -hmm. will work with me, often with clients, depending on the client's um, symptomatology. So I was like, hey, if I can create a co-working space that actually has a community and a setup for all of those individuals then we'll all be under one roof we'll be sharing resources we'll be actually able to cross-refer we might even do supervision with each other imagine that an interdisciplinary supervision where i get to hear what a chinese medicine doctor thinks about my client's breathing process mm-hmm. so there was a lot of really amazing um, opportunity there but it was very very challenging in the beginning it's gotten easier in the last few years but people loved the concept of it, but they struggled with really understanding what I meant. And actually I loved, I just recently listened to your last interview with Angel and she talks about how they just showed up and were looking at each other with their laptops. I mean, <laughs> I, I relate to that. I relate to that. It's like that early on co-working. Nobody really knew what we were talking about, but we we could feel it in our bones. You know, yeah. we're like this yeah. shit. This is awesome. I'm like, what are we doing? We don't know, but this is how we want to do it. So people would flock into some Aveda and that they would say, "I don't know what you're doing here." but it just seems really cool. So, you know, what do, what can we do? How can we be a part of it? So our initial yeah. membership, you know, was like people just having faith in that there was some sort of new platform that they could be a part of, and they would just come in the door and check it out. And I can tell you a little bit more about the the structure, if that helps too. Would you like me to share a little bit of that? Well, I do want to dive in. Um, yeah
0: to to our our topic at hand, Um, but I will say that I I think it's wonderful that you you did this because I had several people come to me um, back in 2009, 2010, so back in the early days of um, the company that I used to work for and they, uh, you know, wanted they were they were therapists or and um, healers, and they really wanted a space, and they wanted mm-hmm. to take a space there at the company that I worked at, which was, yeah. you know, very vibrant, very community, very collaborative. Yeah. Um, and I really tried to work with them, and but I kept. I kept coming up against you know if I was one of your clients I wouldn't really feel comfortable walking into your office, and then walking out into this open space having just had a really big Emotional moment or yeah. this you know feeling really yeah. raw um, in one way or another good raw or bad raw just raw you know mm-hmm. and so um, so I, I encouraged people to start co-working spaces for healers themselves. And I you know, none of them actually came, but I do agree that, that there's a lot of there's always been a lot of collaboration between therapists and between yes. professionals. So yeah. yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I'd love to talk to you more about that, yeah. maybe on another show about business. Yeah. Yes, definitely. But let's <laughs> dive fun. in <laughs> let's dive into this directory that you put together. So yeah. you put together this list of women-owned co-working spaces around the world. Um, So what what really made you think of this idea
1: and how did you go about collecting the data? Well, I think it was a couple of years ago when we were celebrating the International Coworking Day I realized how little I knew about the herstory and I went and I looked on the timeline and there's been a lot of um, gathering of information desk mag has done a great job and you know different and Alex Hillman's written some great articles about the history. I actually came across his article, The Lost Value of Coworking Wellness, which was all about the spiral muse, um, and how it focused on meditation and wellness, which was so validating as well. And I just was thinking, huh, that's so interesting. I'm hearing so much about the men, which is great. And they were all embracing these values and what I consider to be feminine business values. And so um, I just thought, huh, I want to know, and I'm sure other people want to know too, where are the women and how, and I knew that they were leading, I knew that they were integral to this movement, but I didn't feel like they were being well represented, not so much by ourselves, by the co-working movement, but by the general press, which we all know does not do an adequate job reflecting women's contributions. They do it more, you know, when they want to have, when they're like, Following a book release like Lean In or something like that, you'll see all this, oh, let's talk about women and how strong they are in business. But it's sort of an afterthought, in my opinion. So this is part of my feminism and part of my activism was to create more visibility for women. Um, because I just think, yeah, we are not uh, given the microphone. We're not um, We're not quoted in, in news articles, and we're just not seen, and yet we are a powerful for, for good and for collaboration within the co-working movement. Yeah, awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so when you went about collecting the data, um, what,
1: what methods did you use to find these women-owned
0: coworking spaces?
1: Well, it was kind of funny because I come from an academic research background, so I got really geeky about it at first, <laughs> and it was not happening. I was not getting it done because I was making a huge deal out of it and I was being a perfectionist. So then I said, you know what? This is about just an informal, you need to get this information as quickly as you can and then, go from there. So I simply decided I would just start asking. And I went on the Google group that we have for the co-working Google group, which has a variety of different people there and just did a post in which I said, I am gathering women names of women owned spaces all around the world. And I'm doing this directory. Please share if you are one or if you know of someone. And I received a plethora. It was great. And they started coming in. And they're still coming in. And I I love that. So people are still um, sending me information. And then I went on to the juicy uh, Facebook group, which I also knew would be Great Allies. So I really just researched within the co-working movement and asked everyone to come forward and share about their spaces and share. Um, and so there were many um, men that came forward sharing other women-owned spaces that they knew about it as well. And then the women were just like pumping it through. They were sending me um, messages and I really was not expecting that many women honestly to respond so soon so it was a sign to me that this is important all these women are ready to be seen and what was interesting is that That Like you mentioned, there were many of us in like the 2000, like Ashley Proctor in 2006 up in Canada was already doing some amazing work and I didn't know about her when I came on in 2008. And then there was like Susan Dorsch 2009 and then yeah, Alex, uh, I mean, Angel and Liz, right? I mean like there was this this pocket of really strong female leadership. And then you didn't really see a lot of women owned spaces for a little bit. And then they started popping up a lot in the last few years. Like it's really amazing how many started sending me that said, I just opened in 2014. I just opened 2015. I'm opening this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so what I told everyone is like this is my first run at it And I will continue to gather more information and ask for this and I update the directory So that we're actually I just got an intern to help me with that because I wasn't able to keep up with it nice job so, Yay! <laughs> awesome,
0: okay, so the directory exists yes, um, And there's a Facebook group Yes, um, so what do you see this kind of moving into what's your hope for this to move into.
1: Yeah, my hope is that it can create a really nice, uh, tight knit group for women to find connection and support to really um, possibly promote our spaces to one another's members who are traveling around the world. I've actually recently had a conversation with some therapists who were surprised that co-working could even work for them because of their concerns about, well, are the chairs comfortable enough? Is it confidential? Like what you mentioned, is my client gonna walk out to a room full of computers. Um, and so what I told them, I said, well, you know what, my next thing is, I should do a directory, kind of a subdirectory of spaces that have more of a wellness ambiance and actually can guarantee that they have white noise machines and comfortable chairs and private spaces for therapists and try to get more people around the world, um, more of the therapists dropping into these different co working spaces, even if they're um, not going to own one but just know more about them. So I definitely want the directory to be a community for the women who are running these businesses, but I also think it will add a lot more visibility so that women, in their, women and men in their communities will be more likely to seek them out. And I did admit to you before the show, uh, I was saying that you know how all, all entrepreneurs kind of have this gap that they see, and you have to admit that even though you're uh, um, doing good in the world, there's like a selfish aspect of I'm creating what I need. And the directory was what I need. I get excited on that Facebook group every time a new person joins or comments, I'm reading it. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a new person. I wanna hear their story. I wanna know how I can help them. I wanna know if they can relate to me. Because once you become this space owner, you become a leader and possibly a thought leader within your membership for your community, which is amazing. And um, yet there can be some isolation in that. Leadership can you know, lend itself to some isolation. So there are things that my members can't relate to me about. Um, the way that the responsibility that I have, the type of p that I have to balance, like the different things that are my struggles, that's not something that they can identify with. So I want other women talking to each other. I want us to share our trade secrets. I want us to lift each other up. There's no reason, I already spent eight years doing a lot of like failing and trying this and it didn't work. And I want to give all of the good juicy nuggets that I've gotten and be like, yeah. don't make the mistakes I <laughs> made. Don't, don't spend that $10,000 on that. Believe me, it's you not know? worth yeah. so helping them Save time and energy, and get to the good stuff a lot more quicker than I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, in my mastermind groups, that's what I really focus on. Is I, I call it creating community for community managers or owners and operators. That's and great, you know, it really came out of that understanding as a person who you know did manage a space by myself for three years, and then managed a team of people managing spaces by themselves. That, you know, it it is. An incredibly warm and welcoming job to have and it's also incredibly isolating which is such an oxymoron but you know I often describe it as like being on your own co-working island and Mm -hmm. everybody around you speaks a different language and you're talking with your members all day and you're chatting them up and they're chatting you up and you're like an ancillary or an adjunct business partner for them (laughs) helping them with their businesses all day long but they have no idea what you do so I think that that's I really think that's wonderful so I'm curious, do you think um,
1: that the co-working industry is more welcoming to women entrepreneurs? I do think so. I do think that in general like like if you compared it to general business and corporate, I think that co-working is a lot more um, women not just women friendly but women welcoming and women infused like I, I feel like it's such a feminine. I actually love um, Emily. Um, from Chico System. There's a Chico System in Toronto now that's wellness. And she great she wrote a great article, actually linked to it um, in an article that I wrote that accompanies the directory. And she talks about how those five values that co-working we're based on actually our feminist values, yeah. and she really gets into that. And I, I just love that. And I loved meeting Emily because we just totally geeked out about our feminism. <laughs> like, yeah, like my PR person sometimes, like, oh, Laura, meh, meh, meh. you know, I'm all like <laughs> <laughs> um, But but I was like, but that's at the heart of what this movement is for me because the accessibility, the visibility. I think women do have more of an opportunity to contribute they're valued in their creativity. And you see this intersection um, more and more between wellness and tech and women in tech. And I just think that, um, that women are blowing it up and we're bringing all of these really amazing ideas to the forefront that are possibly only able to be women led because it's a specific, um, angle that we have. For example, I just heard this woman speak and she had, she gave a, a talk about women, um, you no know, mothers who code. And she said, for example, if technology is not bringing in the women, they're missing out on really important pieces. And she yeah. gave an example of Apple's health and wellness app where they left out the right. menstrual cycle. <laughs> you know, and she's just like,
0: of the population needs, by the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I think that women are instrumental to the coworking movement because we bring in this um, relation based non-hierarchical way of being with one another. I think it's something that Unfortunately, in the past, and still in corporate America now, there's a femme phobia where you can't be feminine and be strong. And if there's any place for women to reclaim that, reclaim that feminine as strength and as intuitive and as amazing, then it's in co working. I really think that. Yeah. And I love it. And, you know, I mean, I had my
0: members tell me. Time and again, Iris, it's like you were born for this job. It's like you were like the job was made for you. And I'm like, I know it's so strange, but at the end of the day, you're right. It really is those core values, the core values of the co-working movement are core feminist values and what I find really fascinating is when you start to um, study human development and I'm going to sound um, really uneducated here, so let me just put this out there with you, <laughs> as the uh, very educated woman in this. But when you start to study human development, um, and I found this fascinating as a parent of both a, a female and male child, you learn that um, that males and females, that our brains develop differently from the get go, and we are drawn to different things from the get go. And men, and and the theory that I've read is that <clears throat> men are drawn to monofocus tasks Big heavy physical tasks and things that take them out of the home and into the hunt Because that's their purpose is to hunt and to gather and to provide Mm -hmm. Um, and women uh, develop language skills earlier Develop soft skills earlier emotional and empathy earlier um, You know when 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 not when not encouraging the boys to do the same of course but just in general in terms of our development Our large motor skill development is slower than a boy's or than male's is, but our um, our language and communication skills are much more advanced. And the theory behind that is that women had to keep the village together, so we had to make sure that everybody was taken care of, that needs were met. Um, You know, we built relationships with other women in order to do so. uh, Whereas men's relationships with each other tend to be more silent or a little Mm -hmm. bit less uh, not depth, but a little bit less verbal depth. I guess you could say right um, and so I find that really fascinating And I and I really love looking at uh, co-working through that lens through the lens of, of feminism and I'm I'm curious what you think of um, Moving forward now that we are in a place where the industry is becoming an industry. It's been a movement up till mm-hmm. now uh, mm-hmm. maybe up until last year or this year and now it's an industry, and you know, of course, there's all the WeWork press that's coming and going and yeah. <laughs> in and out. But you know, I'm sure that you have have received calls from investors and calls from landlords and calls from people with buildings and real estate people trying to get you to open a space in their space mm-hmm. because they've read press about you. Right. So now that we're moving forward, I'm curious what your thoughts are and how we as women can help make can help continue the direction of humanity and of the the five core values of co-working and the feminist values so that we, re, we, re, we remain true to the, the spirit of co-working um, that we've had from the beginning and we don't get stuck in um, how big is my space, how many members do I have, and how cool is my furniture.
1: <laughs> right, yes. I will not comment on we work because I have some things that probably are not nice to say. But <laughs> yes, I actually see a challenge with the in the co working industry. There's this shift into it as a business model, and a lot of investors in real estate um, people are seeing, oh wow, this is this business model, and I want to jump on. But for me, and for so many of the authentic, genuine, original coworkers it was a movement, it is a movement, and the fact that the movement is shifting and changing into an industry means we have more influence and more power within the business structures. But in my opinion, we should never lose sight of that heart that drives co-working. And for me, it's a cultural, societal shift in a systemic solution for change that is pervasive throughout not only the way we work, but the way we're caring for ourselves, the way that we're caring for others, the way that we're living, the way that we're raising our children. So co-working has, at the heart of it, that magical seed. And if it stays in that path and in that vein of social change, of, of being a force for good, then I think that women are going to naturally be at the helm. I think it's going to continue to attract women. And I think that we have the unique skill sets on how to navigate that. For a long time, we have understood how it, what it means to be valuable but invisible. Yeah. And the co working structure is similar. It is so valuable, but yet can be marginalized and invisible to so many investors or so many corporate <laughs> minded people. And so it's easy, as even women have found historically, to want to shift and bend in order to look more powerful and be more like the men or more like what they think will get them visibility. But in the end, it's staying true to yourself. What makes you unique? What is a, the woman's gift to give that is going to make that shift? So, the same with co working. We don't want it to shift into that place. There's plenty of business models, there's executive suites. I mean, there's a variety of different things. And I know that some executive suites have been making that shift. But I think that's the big difference is understanding that right now our industry is going into a bit of a division and it's either going into more of the corporate business or it's going staying the path to the movement Mm -hmm. and it's creating a systemic solution to the marginalization of our our actual heart our soul doing what we love changing the world all these things that we hope that our humanity is going to stand for and that the the legacy that we're going to leave behind for our children is that this gets to be a different way in which we work and in, in which we view ourselves and others around us.
0: Yeah, wow. That's wonderful.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. I'm kind
0: I'm of gosh. passionate, <laughs> kind of passionate. A little bit, a
1: little
0: bit. I'm kind of speechless. Um, so I really have so many more questions and I feel like I could talk to you about this for a long time. We are out of time <laughs> today. Um, please tell us
1: what's next for you. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm getting really excited about um, sharing my message about mental health and emotional well-being for entrepreneurs. And so what that looks like is me pulling myself out of the trenches a little bit more and more from Soma Vida and working on my personal um, messaging and getting out there and speaking and really bringing home the message that. Your wellness is your business's bottom line and that if we don't start paying attention to our emotional and our spiritual and our physical health then we aren't going to have the success that we need so I'm looking at a public speaking I'm going to be joining a colleague on a podcast soon and we're going to be talking about women who are doing amazing things and liberating themselves in various ways so I'm excited to be more global I think that um, I'm at that place in my motherhood as well where my littles and my not so little are doing (laughs) well um, and they I can fly away a little bit more from home and I want to do more travel I want to go visit these women that are in my directory if I could make a trip to each one of those that would be amazing so I think that's where I'm setting my sights is just more travel more global discussions dialogue and I'm looking forward to all the different people that I come across in that process.
0: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Cannot wait to follow your journey, and Mm -hmm. I will absolutely have you back here um, on the show again to uh, see how the progress is going with the directory, and also I'd love to really talk to you about the wellness space. I think that's a space that a lot of people are starting now, The knowledge that you have should definitely be shared. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to have you um, here today, Laura.
1: Thank you, Iris. It was my honor. And I, yeah, I've had so much fun. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Coworking with Iris. And uh, for other episodes, archives, please go to coworkingwithiris.co where you can subscribe to the podcast. Um, and subscribe to receive updates. Uh, Next week I'll be talking with Ian Stock, who is an attorney um, who's practiced in three different countries, uh, two European countries and here in the U.S. and is very familiar with co-working um, and the legal requirements of co-working spaces, as well as having been a member of a co-working space for the past nine years. And uh, we'll be talking about common legal pitfalls, uh, setting up your legal corporation and um, creating stock options and things along those lines. So I look forward to that conversation next week. Um, keep doing the great work you're doing every day and we'll see you again soon.